This is the Krillcast, aptly named Printed and Pressed Podcast Series, where we cover books instead of gaming, because that's what we do now. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm Chris. Uh, I'm Andrew. And I'm Will. And uh, before we get started, join either our Goodreads Club or our BookClubs.com Club, both of which the club, well, actually on here it's called the Printed and Press Club. And on here, it's group slash list slash God knows what that is. Okay, but, but Chris, you said you wanted everyone to go to the book clubs club instead of Goodreads. So that's that's accurate. I would rather everybody go. To <laughs> yes, <laughs> you After just got done debate. saying this right. Before I mean, I'm going to I'm going to continue to update both okay. for now. Okay, so because we do have somebody that did join here. So, plus I like the way I like the format of upcoming book club reads versus books that we want to read, which is just bizarre. Fair enough, fair enough. So both will exist. But the, the nice day. thing about the book clubs thing is you can schedule meetings where we can just like literally schedule our streams with a link to the stream. Which so this future, was supposed to be on Wednesday, but yeah. we had to reschedule. So and we had three people attending. There was yeah. me, Andrew, and the Krillcast. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which we did not attend, which means that was pretty much a failure. But, but yeah. the other cool thing is it tracks book club member ratings, so you yeah. can see what your club rated. Sorry, so my all... rating in the uh, Google Sheets, by the way. If you wanna, <laughs> Wait, did you did you, did you finally? Put yeses in for books you're willing to read. I put yet. some yeses in. Yeah, I did, Chris. Oh, yeah, time. because well. you were late to the stream. I had some time. Hey, here's <laughs> a... <laughs> so here's something cool: is that you can put out polls. So, like, if we wanted to do a viewer's choice for the book club, mm -hmm. there you go. That'd be pretty neat. Um, I'm gonna double check and make sure we're live on uh, Rumble real quick. Make sure. Oh, yeah, we are live on all Rumble. support from YouTube. <laughs> and we're live on. Twitter. So we're live on Twitter, YouTube, and Rumble. So check us out anywhere. All right. So we'll get into the book now. Now that we've gotten all that out of the way, okay. uh, coffee there's brand a coffee. Boy that's named after Kirkus. a soda. <laughs> and soda. there's a talking horse. <laughs> Some sprinkle in racism. <laughs> oh, come King, on. Kings and queens. Honestly, this is my favorite one. No, this before. this is okay. I just want to start this this episode off with a very necessary comment. I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. Both of you were like, "Why is this his favorite?" Well, now you know. Because you the know. title sucks, man. It's I, I read this. I read this and to start. The, I read this start to finish boy. in like two two to three hours. So yeah, like, this is the best. This is his best book because <clears> it's start to finish one solid continuous story yeah. and it's more it's like I don't know, action adventure type thing i don't know so this is more of my speed book story this felt like the most out of place out of the rest of the narnia books but it was really good <laughs> but it's also 100 percent necessary for understanding who the collar men are later mm -hmm. yeah I'm not, I'm not saying that he didn't he didn't have to write it i'm just saying yeah. like and when you look at that all twist the other in stories, the end what no one saw that i mean coming. i saw that coming <laughs> <laughs> From a um, mile away. I mean, when I was a kid, it was a little bit more shocking. But, you know, now that I'm an adult and I'm reading this book, I'm like, oh, clearly he's the twin of the prince. Yeah, Anyways, I mean, it, when you look alert. at who the audience is for, you know, it's a really good yes. trap to kill uh children's book, you know? Mm -hmm. I yeah. think that's... But where, where do we want to start? Because, I mean, I think this book actually does have a lot of good little lessons spread within it. It's a little mm -hmm. less obvious compared to the other ones, but make sure your dad is actually your dad. 
<laughs> I mean, in fairness, but what if he isn't? What he isn't he Will? What's wrong? Kidnapped as a baby, Will. All right. If you're getting chased by a lion, stop and ask if it's Aslan. <laughs> Make sure when you're chased by lions, it's just it actually is plural, not singular, right? Um. No, but it's like he is. It's it's really nice how uh, not nice. I guess it's interesting how they started off with him being a slave. Mm-hmm. And then the horse is also a slave, but then, you know, Narnia, so it can talk. Um, it, this book is kind of like a cultural lesson to children, I think, about at the time the difference between, you know, Christian West and uh, Islamic East. Yeah, th- that's kind of what he's I doing mean, here, with right? With Lewis, I mean, that makes total sense. He would he would have definitely have. <laughs> put that context into his books whether you agree with it or not that's not the point c.s lewis yeah. would definitely put that into his books. i mean they're it's clearly talking about the turks i yes. think that's a i think that's a safe statement to make um well i think when you just look at the attire he puts them in it makes sense and the names well also the, the era that he's he lived like when you think of it i'm, I'm saying when you put it in context for, the way he, the way yeah. he describes them the like he's definitely basing them off of a real population of people mm-hmm. yeah i mean also the way if, when you think of how slaves are treated that's very much a how the ottoman empire was a little bit so not the most shocking um what did what did you guys think of the start the start of the book yeah just like how I guess I thought it was, I thought it was pretty but... clear. I thought it was pretty clear that the the dad figure or whatever you want to call him treated him more as a servant or slave than he treated him as a kid. And so right. it was pretty clear that either it was it was either rough culture or the kid wasn't actually his, one or the other. Well, just the way he was so fast to sell him though. He wasn't mm-hmm. fast to sell him. He wanted to get the most money out of him. No, I, no, he was fast so to the, sell the, him. The, uh, but, you know, it's still the same point that clearly not his kid because he wouldn't be like, yeah, awesome. Uh, I don't know. Me. I guess it really depends on, like, you know, the value of children and the fact well, that he didn't have as a wife. Chris has the only one who has kids here. What I'm saying is. No, no. I mean, when he you, has pairs. Here's the stop, stop, stop. <laughs> when it comes to, like, historical culture of children, right? A lot of years went by where children were looked at looked at as more of commodities than familial units, and well, it's kind of bizarre. I think you when got you read through history of. The, I, th- of I think the, you got that a little mixed up, though. On some level, parents who couldn't actually afford to take care of their kids would put them into like servitude. Yeah, not, right, that's what not I'm like slavery. It's not the same thing, mm, right? Like depends on how you look at it, but yeah, there, there's. Very indentured servants to a lord or a lady, they generally would have much nicer food and clothing and housing. Indentured servants, though, also had an expiration date on servitude. Did they, though? Yes, they did. Unless there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, okay, unless you were in a thing where usually what you're talking about is usually a thing where they were like, oh. Your room and board is ridiculously expensive, so you have to pay this off now too, and you're actually going further in debt by working for us. That right. type of deal. Yes. But that's also not the norm. Fair enough. From my understanding. That's a little bit of a thing where it's expensive to bring someone across the Atlantic. So it was a little bit more prevalent in New England. So I 
Those damn Patriot fans. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, um, how okay? How do you say her name? Aravis. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his names besides Shasta. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But the girl, I think her story is super interesting. I I think that's the bigger cultural contrast that he actually demonstrates. Just like the child, he goes, she covers child, child bride. Isn't it Aravis? Aravis, maybe. Well, it's A R A V I S. Yeah. So I don't know. I never heard it out loud. So. Arvis, maybe. No, no, it's A R A V I S. So it's Aravis, Aravis. Yeah, whatever. It's not that important to the. (laughs) It is though. It is. It is. No, it's not. The second main character, she her story is really interesting because you know it has the whole topic of uh, child brides. She thinks about suicide, gets convinced that that's not her plan, right? Like, that's not the plan for her. I mean, to be fair, like, the, the child bride thing could, could apply to a lot of cultures. Yep. Yeah, it can. Yeah. So, like, that, I mean, that that in particular... All of them. <laughs> I'm just saying it also talks about... It's also one of those things where he's... But I have to say, like, you know, regardless of what it would gain me, I would never in a million years even think to, you know, put a child through that. That's insane. What I'm saying is he's he's contrasting (laughs) English values of the World War II era with everywhere, (laughs) with other locations. (laughs) And, you know, child brides is a very frowned upon concept in that, you know, modern Western civilization. Um, Is it? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. You're right. Yeah. At this time, the the Eastern European countries were. Yeah, that's why I said Western. <laughs> Western values. And then, you know... C.S. Lewis like, frowned upon that. <laughs> yeah. His culture did not work. Yes. He, he has C.S. Lewis specifically mother. was fighting against it. <laughs> so, got hey, I, got, I got a question for you guys. Yeah. Um, do you think that at any point uh, World War One had an influence on this story? Well, I mean, we talked about the Ottoman Empire. That's when they yeah. fell. Right, that's what I'm saying. Specifically, you think that had an influence on this story? I think the story is kind of telling you, a lo- like, conceptually, the Ottoman Empire, right? Because they yeah. they felt a little bit humiliated, I think, with the results of one. World War One. Yeah, and that's why they weren't major players in World War Two. I don't remember ever even hearing about the Ottoman Empire being a part of World War Two. To be honest with you. That's because they weren't. I think right. they were gone. That That's they, what I'm saying. They no, they weren't gone. They they literally were just staying pacifist. When did they? they, they when did the Ottoman sex. Empire technically like end? Was the it post World War Two? It was that when the general took over. I'm trying to remember. Fall of the Ottoman Empire. I'm looking it up. <clears throat> Keep going. You guys talk. Here yeah. we go. I mean, I I was just saying her her story. The formal abolition was start ended on. <laughs> Will's right. Nineteen twenty two. It was basically the end of. Uh, yeah. Didn't the, the general take over? The sultan was declared persona non grata. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's crazy. They had ruled since like the 1300s. I do have uh, to say that the the horse is actually the second main character, and then <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Second main three, human... right? Well, he never has a point of view, man. Yeah. He never has a point of view. Uh, chapter. That's true. Erebus does. Erebus does, man. All right. Well, that's fair, but not every <laughs> character, the main character, has to have a point of view. It'd be boring to see through a horse's eyes because all you <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And sugar cubes, man. What like I'm carrots. saying though I is, I want some carrots. You. <laughs> they, they. Okay, all the all the characters except for um, when actually have valuable backstories okay, so, her lessons so, learned. So let's just get okay. So we usually have define a, the characters. A, let's define the characters. Andrew, stop. We usually go through a summary of the story. That's true, and we haven't done that yet. Not, 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 uh, not. Here's a story I want to hear: the High King Peter's fighting giants in the north. Do we ever yeah. get to see that? No, like not in this book, but like any of the books. I don't think so. No, you just hear no. about it. Like somebody could probably write a side story about that. It's, it's never actually talked about. That is true. Okay. Okay, so here, oh, here's summary, the, here's. Let me just do the summary real quick. Yes. Basically, a uh, boy lives with a fisherman, is attempted to sold, sell into slavery, but the uh, slaver who is going to buy him has a horse the who happens to be a talking horse from Narnia who tells him, let's escape. And then they do in the middle of the night. Fisherman and the, um, what is it called? The, the Tarkin? Is that his name, Tarkin? Right? Gosh, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, Tarkin. Anyways, they he runs off with the horse. They lay low and try to run away. And then... Another runaway on another horse who happens to be a talking horse from Narnia. We're just finding lots of talking horses yeah. from Narnia here. Happens to run into them. It turns out the princess from another kingdom doesn't want to marry. Not a princess. Not a, She's basically a mobile lady. Yeah. Yeah. Tar Tarkin's daughter doesn't want to get married off to the whatever the high general of the army is. I can't remember what his name is. He's um, more like the, uh, if you're, he's like the main chancellor for the Sultan. For the, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's not really he he's the assistant. He's the go he's the go deputy kind of guy. You know. Long story short, then they wind up in this town, Tashbrown, right? Um, and the capital, the capital of the the Tarkin Empire, whatever it is, Constantinople, um, effectively. Yeah. Anyways, long story short, he gets mistaken for a prince who, at the end of the book, find out he's his brother, but looks mistaken very much for, like him. Mistaken for a prince by Narnians. The Calarmine he, prince, right? I uh, know not Calgary. No, um, Archenland. Uh, Archenland. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, he escapes. They go off and actually wind up in Archenland, warn them of the assault coming from the Tarkins because the son of the, the Grand Poobah, whatever the heck the guy's name is. <laughs> is Tizrak. It's in front of you on the screen, Chris. It's going to Tizrak, yeah. yeah. Um, he's going to invade Archenland and then Narnia proper to steal Susan back, who he's angry about because he was disgraced. She left him, and essentially they lose because they were warned ahead of time. Archenland wins. Narnia never gets invaded, and they find out he's the twin and he's the king after the dead dies. Of Archenland. Yeah, of Archenland. <laughs> yes. yes, of Archenland. And they, and have, they have he's a twin. So. All right, there's your summary. That's the best I can do. In <laughs> well, that, that summary sucks. No one's going to want to read now. Yeah, no, yeah, no <laughs> one wants to read this. But the, you know... That's. Is there anything you guys want to add to that summary before we move on? You missed. I mean, uh, Aslan, didn't you? Oh, Aslan. Yeah, Aslan yeah. Is, is constantly chasing. Jesus them is things. in this one too. Don't he's worry. guiding them. Yeah, with, he's, he's through guiding fear. them. And yeah, you missed the part where much. you missed the part where the whole reason they get there to warn them first is because 
Oh, uh, I sorry, Erebus I, I diminished Erebus's role. Yeah, yeah, yes. He gets er- Erebus. He overhears out. the Tisrock yeah. over there talking about how the sun can go invade because he's slighted and everything. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty much. that's how that goes. That's how they know. Just like how um, Shasta over there knows that. They have to go a specific way through the desert because he also his dad is horrible at naming kids. Like it's cultural, dude. It's so cultural. It's the dumbest naming convention I've ever. Corin, Corin. I mean, dumb naming convention. You know, he could just stay Shasta for all I care. Shasta, Shasta. All right. Long story short, right? I don't think so. No, you're thinking of Fanta. No, no. I'm gonna stop. You (laughs) guys keep talking. Um, I think you're right. Or that's like something like that. There's like a um, Jamaican drink that's got that kind right. of name. Shasta Pop. I think it's Rasta. Ra- Rasta. No, Rasta. You're thinking of Rasta, aren't you? I'm not. It's Shasta. Stop trying to correct me. I have the page. Up. Okay. All right. Whatever, man. You drink your tang. All right. <laughs> um, so, what did you guys like the most about this book? What What about it do you think is? Like, for example, I think this is probably the best one of the series so far. Magician's nephew, Land which War, Road Horse, and his boy. This is the best. What I about it? Is this is like a straight, uh, cohesive story that's like an adventure mm-hmm. story? Yes. It's well paced. Uh, it yeah. gets rid of the complaints I have with uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where I think he has this great story narrative of how they get to Narnia. He really thought all of that through, right? Mm-hmm. And. It has a great pacing of moral lessons. It had they're kind of well written into the story where they just flow, and then once you're there, they um, get to this point right where he just kind of rushes. Every day is basically a cha- like a week is each chapter after you get to the beavers in the line, the witch, and the wardrobe, and in this one, it's well paced throughout. It's a very fluid story, just how mm-hmm. Will said. It just flows. Well, what, what did what did you, did you want to add anything to that? Like about it was what the you same liked? thing. Yeah, it was just it was more. Like you said I guess the pacing. That's honestly what drew me mm-hmm. in is the fact that this consistent pulled you through the entire story. There was no slow point. Um, Edmund wasn't a little dick. I think <laughs> I do think the characters are much are very are very very compelling characters the dynamic between them all it's very camaraderie there there's a lot of that there right i felt like the reveals throughout the story were at the right points too like i, I like any yeah. reveal in there was not it wasn't like this anticlimactic yeah we get it dude it was like at the time the characters are finding out about like if i hadn't read the story before the time the characters are finding out about it it was the right time to find out about those aslan was being a little weird just but, a little but, bit. But yeah. when he explains himself, other than him slashing Erebus, I thought that was totally unnecessary. No, that was that was that was that was a good. Let lesson. me teach you a lesson, woman. He slashes her. He's like, "This is what happened to your maid." No, it, it, I mean like, the oh fact that gosh. the fact that she had to experience the retribution for her what she caused someone else, like the false witness concept. Like, I don't yeah, know. Okay. I feel like that's very fair. <laughs> Aslan's like confession by fire. Aslan's <laughs> just tired of always having to deal with kids. <laughs> they did say they did say in the uh, Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe that he's uh, what is it terrible but great or something like that. Yeah, was it something along those yeah. lines. He's not described as nice ever. Yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah, C.S. No, Lewis I, nailed that one. Yeah, <laughs> he's not nice. 
I love how he wrote this because you still want to see the universe, right? It's something that as you envision it, it's still spectacular, the world building and everything. So despite the fact that he's also peppering that very draw you in universe with little cultural tidbits that you would say are um, very questionable moral uh, as far as morality goes, it's not like he's saying that they're just complete terrible, right? He's giving them their due all throughout. They're still a great empire. Yeah, and also it's still vague enough that it's like it really isn't one-to-one to any real-world people. It's just like yeah. it's these other people. And, you know, what, like if you want to separate them from the the uh, protagonist, have them look differently, have them sound different, have them name different, different setup to the empire. And mm-hmm. he just happened to base it off of when that was around. <laughs> and then just the contrast that Shasta even says, like, so when he's mistaken for Corrin, um, <clears throat> just the, you really see the hierarchy difference, you know, the slavery and hierarchy versus the mm-hmm. Narnians who are just, you know, free, open, and friendly. That whole concept. He, yeah. he really contrasts it, but he doesn't know, so he also makes massive mistakes he didn't need to make. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny that his brother absolutely didn't want to become king. He's like, he's like Fred and George versus Ron Weasley. Like mm-hmm. he just, he yeah. just wants to mess around and do his own thing. So who's your favorite character? Do you guys have one? Honestly? No, I just like, I just like the book. Yeah. <laughs> I just really like the story. They're kind of a package deal, aren't they? I think, yeah, this one bit, yeah. in particular, like the other books that we've read so far, you, there's a couple characters I really liked and there's other ones I freaking hated. Well, hate is a strong word. I disliked them. Mm. Um, like sometimes their motivations are annoying or just the way that they're written was annoying. Well, they're written for a purpose. Yes. They come up as being written for a purpose. Yes. Um, whereas this one, like you said, I think you summed up perfectly. It is a package deal. So they, they all play off each other. Like the story is about the group, not necessarily just the individual. Mm-hmm. And this is looking ahead a little, but you know, the Don Trader is kind of like that. Um, what did you guys think of the whole lesson around Susan's courtship? Uh, I thought that was pretty insightful. I did like, so there was one particular sentence on there when they were describing what happened is like, you should always view a man through the the house of his parents where he does there as a good example for what a marriage would look like with him. Because if you don't respect your parents, it's unlikely you're going to respect your marriage. Unless there's like other things going well, on. But. The the one quote was, see a bear in his own den before you judge of his conditions. Yeah, something like that. And that one was really good. I, I thought that was really, really good for young girls. Just mm-hmm. like conceptually here in the story. Especially also, don't be afraid to, to leave a monster. Right. right. Just like get the help of your brother if you have one. You know, flee. You can do it strategically. No mm-hmm. reason to stay for the abuse kind of thing. Which honestly would have been kind of progressive for the time. Right. I mean, then you had the for, you know the whole threat of forced marriage, mm-hmm. which, you know. Well, there, there, there was a lot of forced marriages in this book. Like, for example, the first one, obviously, Erebus with the 60-year-old dude. Like, yeah. And then you got Susan with the son of the Tizrak. 
and then you're uh, an admin, was... you know. <laughs> that's, you know that, that's one of those things that is oh the, uh, and then the, the third woman the she was married she was the friend of Erebus that helped her escape around right oh yeah well hers yeah. doesn't seem that for she was pretty she was pretty happy with her marriage but she was happy with she's happy within the culture that she was born into right and like everything about like <clears throat> escaping her culture as far as Erebus goes scared her it's very interesting because like it's like the Stockholm syndrome, except when you apply mm -hmm. to culture, like when you move into a culture that's not your own, it's kind of scary, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's part of the lesson too that he is trying to convey a little, right? That there are other locations where the culture is completely different. Mm -hmm. Just because you are where you are right now doesn't mean other parts of the world are there too. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are a little bit ignorant of that these oh, days definitely nowadays yeah <laughs> yeah i was trying to say it delicately but yeah you have these people who will go to all these other countries on vacation and you're just the person on vacation man like you're not actually experiencing the culture you don't right. see the dark side of what it is so you're just seeing this like oh it's different it's exciting it's something to learn but it's like there's usually a darker concept there underneath that is mm -hmm. not the same you would not necessarily like it there so right <laughs> yeah if you leave the resort it's a little bit different yeah. yeah don't leave the resort that's usually the first advice the hotel tells you is don't leave the resort hmm. unless, unless it's with like the resort tour right so like for example when we went to uh jamaica they said don't leave any of our tours or leave the resort or you know we can't we can't guarantee that what what happens to you will be um you know mm -hmm. within the confines of your expectations <laughs> i won't tell you where but one place i i left the resort because i was there for a wedding within there like you know they're locals i saw uh, a dog being skinned and gutted from a tree oh dear lord and that will that was interesting i <laughs> scarred you a little bit i bet yeah you know dogs are friends not food <laughs> Like the like the shark quote. Yeah, from exactly. Fish are friends, not food. Um, what what did you guys get out of the warhorse learning a lesson in there? Because remember, and being he, humbled, he was humbled. Yeah, yeah. I think that was an interesting addition to the story, where the warhorse all throughout is talking all talking up this grandeur of the things he's done, and, and he mm -hmm. pretty much has the the. Um, uh, what's it called? Like the, the, for example, the war medals to prove it, right? He's got the war. Yeah, the receipts. The receipts, yeah. exactly. And uh, at the very end, the lion chases him, and it just kind of proves his his. Uh, I, don't I know mean, if, if I got chased by a lion, I'd run too. <laughs> <laughs> but then, of course, this little boy, little I guess he's not that little. He's probably a teenager. No, it, but it's, turns it, around and and. Dude, he had to be young. He had to be like it, no older than twelve tops. It's. I have a hard time judging how old he is, <clears throat> but the way they talk about the child marriage thing, it has to be. In well, Erebus could have been younger or older than him. We don't know. They were about the same age from the way it's written. Okay. I think they're about at least that's Well, they're like an American 27-year-old today. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about maturity-wise? Yes. Yeah. But, Are, but Are you talking about like the readability of this book for the average person? Or you no, that's like that's like the average. No, he's in, in America he's, now. Yeah. <laughs> I no, I love how he's humbled um, because he he's really cares about his um, image prior mm -hmm. to getting there. Right, he needed to be humbled before he can go into the realm of Narnia. That that's yeah. his redemption, not necessarily redemption. Uh, that's 
almost like a re- is retribution the right word to say for that like he also needed to you know repent his sins a little <laughs> yeah in well, advance the other the other aspect of that horse that was funny was at the end of the day he was scared of showing that like letting his freak flag fly with like rolling on his back and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like he's worried that the other Narnian horses will look down upon him. And so like nobility matters to him. And the fact that he may not fit in in the country he wants to move to, but he knows that that's where he belongs. Right. I mean, he also has the lesson of listen to your parents a little when you're young, (laughs) just uh, go get kidnapped. Right. Yeah. He didn't listen. That's That's actually a great lesson too for children. You know, maybe don't get kidnapped. You only learned that one once, Andrew. Don't go to the meadow, (laughs) you know, the valley too far over where we can't see you. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how you get kidnapped and we'll never see you again, potentially. (laughs) Um, I I also really liked um, another guess, one. Of guess, no, the lesson is don't take your kids to Narnia, or they might get kidnapped. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay. By a lion. Yeah. There, there was one more uh, quote uh, slash lesson in the whole Susan and Edmund fleeing that was really okay. good. Besides the uh, about relationships, there was the last stands in a house make a great uh, make great stories, but nothing ever comes of them. That one. Yeah, that's a good point because they were gonna fight out of the house. Yes, yeah. and they were going to lose in a way that meant nothing. It's right. not like you were fighting for someone to escape, and you were holding the last stand. Yeah, it's it's not like there's it's not like um oh we're holding the bridge so that they can escape and now mount mm-hmm. a counteroffensive that's going to win the war. It's just no, it's like my sister didn't fight. want to marry this dude, so we fought in a house and died. <laughs> All of us died, right? <laughs> Well, except for her, and she still married said dude. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> she lived in captivity the rest of her life. <laughs> right? So that, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, sacrifice is good, but do it smartly. Okay? Like, yeah. Don't don't be an idiot. Be intelligent. Yeah, don't throw away your life for nothing. Yes. Right. And then there's all these – there's a couple of references to donkey milk baths. That's See, I felt like that, that commentary was a, was a commentary on – Shoot, what's the fort in Texas that was held during the Alamo? The Alamo. Alamo. Yeah, it was like it was like an Alamo reference almost. Yeah, uh, I mean, that Crockett, serves like, a purpose. That's the still. only story I know about him is that what that he smiled a, a bear out of a tree and killed it with his smile. I don't know that. I don't know that story. I just Actually, know that's not true. He got distracted. He was trying to after he smiled a raccoon down to death. He was going <laughs> to do it to a bear, and then he was distracted, so he had to kill the bear with a knife. I know there's like songs and stuff about Davy Crockett, but I'm not going to pretend like I know them. Davy Crockett. And we're claimed by the American uh, federal whatever owns that song. Uh, That that was not sung with nearly enough. Uh, (laughs) What about about the – so you, you kind of brought it up where she had to leave her friend behind. But, well, she didn't have to. Her friend chose not to go. No, but yeah. So I was going to say that there's kind of a there's the whole belief about how powerful the Tisrock is and everything, and they're kind of brainwashed. Her friend's kind of a bit brainwashed by well, the whole thing. That conversation with the Tisrock and the other guy and the and the son kind of proves that the Tisrock is not the all powerful thing that they believe he is. Right, but they're still kind of brainwashed. Her friend's brainwashed. I I mean, maybe she's just happy in her marriage and doesn't care. No, no, no. no. But she saw every after everything she saw that never. She still wanted to, yeah. Yeah, that didn't phase her entire perception of it. But um, you really see that that was the thing that was needed for our uh, Arabis to 
like leave her behind and have that new start that she needs to really go to Archon Land. And don't be afraid to outgrow your friends. Maybe that's another. That yeah, that that's in there, right? If the friend is the wrong friend, don't be afraid yeah. to. Well, move. F- following your friends to to the detriment of your own life is not the right way to go, yeah. right? Um, like it, it's not you don't have to like kill the friendship necessarily, but if it's a detriment to your own life, then like obviously that's not a friendship to maintain. Mm-hmm. What about? So we kind of mentioned it earlier too. Aslan is acting a bit strange in this one, but at the same time, this is the most clear any of these stories have ever been where Aslan is described as being there throughout their lives in like a God way. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I like, I, I like how he's like, I, I was the about. kitty cat. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you have to, you have to see the beauty of how it was done. Right. Mm-hmm. He's there. He's there oh, through beautiful. everything with them. I never abandoned you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't overlook it, Chris. It's, it's I, I don't know. I, I made sure been your like, ship was guided the hell? for sure. <laughs> like, why would you let me be in the captivity of the fisherman? I mean, that was almost like a Joseph King of Dream. Uh, no, but whatever, he Joseph needed to. Dreamcoat story, kind of. He needed you know, to. Like, I let you be captured because you were met, you were made for more greatness. You know. No, but there was the prophecy. That's he does save Archie. That's what I'm like, saying. This this story, yeah. if I were to relate it to a, a, one of the Bible stories, it's almost like. The Joseph story, you know, yeah. with Egypt and the Pharaoh and everything else. Yeah, his twin, twin brother tried to kill him. Definitely saw that. No, it didn't strangle each other. Yes. <laughs> I mean, minus the brotherly love, you know. <laughs> but uh, all of these characters, as we already mentioned with Bree, they all had their flaws that they overcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, they every single one of them has flaws, and they all and they're all overcome throughout that journey. Mm-hmm. So it, that's part of the, I think that's part of the reason I like this one too is none of these characters come off as perfect. Nor should they. Yeah. Yeah, but if they're a package deal. They all have their flaws. They achieve, I guess, great things you would say, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just a well-written story. Did you um? Did you guys catch the ending where his father is talking about the importance of law, even to kings? It's a very Magna Carta Englishman uh, take, eh? <laughs> I might have, I might have, what did you say? Repeat that, sorry. So at the end, when Kor, Shasta becomes Kor, yeah. and he's with his father, he is told the importance of the law, even to kings. So oh. all the good and bad, basically that it's a curse. If you are a good king, it is a curse to be king because it is not actually that beneficial. You have to sacrifice more than anyone else because you have to uphold the law. Oh, yeah. That was that was an interesting um, lesson on being a good ruler because yeah. the, be- the best rulers are loved and feared for the, for the same reasons, basically. Yeah, I mean, you also have to be, you know, the best dressed starving person. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> During the famine, like, there's there's a lot of good lessons there where it's like, if your uh, ruler's not being a bit humble and upholding the law above all else, then he's not a good ruler. Well, I mean, it's like the difference between, you know, Gondor with worm tongue in his ear and Gondor with worm tongue gone, right? Like Rohan. Bad ruler. Rohan. Come Rohan. on, man. Sorry, Rohan. Rohan. Oh Jeez. my goodness. We have Sorry to take away that. your. You know, yeah. no, we have to take away your Lord of the Rings 
card now. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't. I haven't. Read, read, read I haven't read all of them, so there's that. Your first. <laughs> oh no! Did you get stuck in two towers with Frodo? Because that is the. Shit. I so I've Shut read, up, man. I've, I love stop. this. I love I, every I've, second. <laughs> I've read the Silmarillion, the Hobbit, and the Fellowship. Okay, so stop there. Yeah, why didn't you at least read the first half of Two Towers? Because I got yeah. to high school and I stopped reading. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. why. Oh, Anyways, long story short, uh, I would say like when you're talking about kings, you've got the good king who's like Ro- the king of Rohan. After Rumtongue's gone, you got the bad king who's just kind of letting his kingdom die because he doesn't care. That's that's the Rohan before Wormtongue's gone. Anyways. Did, did you like the um, slight propaganda bit, though, that C.S. Lewis puts into this about how they hate Narnia for being free? <laughs> oh, I mean, there's that. That's a thing. Yeah. Um, Rock hates them because he doesn't to, rule them. That's p- the only reason he does not like them. Yeah, I mean, it's a thing, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, he also kind of describes what? England for, like, how they treat, that, that, that could kind of describe <laughs> that could almost describe any um, empire really empire yeah so I mean I would, I would imagine I would imagine the Romans hated a lot of places they didn't rule the, they just the called Persians them barbarians, hated a lot of people they didn't yeah rule. everyone outside of Rome was a barbarian exactly like when you look at historical uh, writings they call everybody except the Romans the barbarians yeah well not the Carthage uh Carthage you know, they didn't call them barbarians. Yeah, because they're all the same people. <laughs> like, well, I guess they cousins. Were, they didn't, yeah, they, they were basically cousins. They decided to, hey, our rivalry is pretty steep here. We're mm-hmm. going to salt your fields. That's how much we hate you. But, <laughs> like, I guess technically the Egyptians weren't barbarians either. No. No, was, I think it was more like anyone who was like Greeks. Germanic they, tribes. Yeah, they didn't view Greeks as uh, barbarians either. So. Yeah, it's pretty much anything that's... Outside of the empire or their yeah. allies, the Mediterranean peoples they liked. Everyone else, they're barbarians. <laughs> well, you have to be more specific about Mediterranean because they also viewed the uh, individuals in Spain as barbarians. Those tribes. True. So they they viewed anyone that wasn't like traditional Mediterranean <laughs> east side, east side of like you know Rome, Sicily eastward everything westward and everything was kind of a bit more maybe the people who kept sacking rome as barbarians (laughs) everyone else was fine (laughs) they sacked the empire they're barbarians anyone who used a two-handed broadsword got the definition of barbarian instantly if they kicked the romans ass then they were barbarians (laughs) if your sword was too long you were a barbarian because you're well, overcompensating, apparently, in their eyes. Let's, let's measure swords, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here, here's the next question. We kind of already delved into this, but yeah, yeah. How, how do you think you can apply the morals of this story to like life? We've kind of delved into this a little bit already, like you know, some of the life stories. But is there anything that we missed? Honestly, C.S. Lewis has this has this thing where he reiterates, I think, a lot of his lessons. So Stranger Danger. Reiterated again, man, with the horses being kidnapped, just not necessarily to trust certain people mm-hmm. with how he's being sold again into slavery of a different kind. And once um, again, don't trust your family members just because of family members. You know, the the evil stepmother concept came into yeah. this one. Um, yeah, your family member could sell you to an old yeah. man for marriage. That's it, 
This one, though, br really brought in the different culture concept that if you're in a strange land, it might not be, you know, you can't necessarily trust it the same. Yeah, because you're going to be an outsider. Yeah. Always trust the talking horse, obviously. Yes. Dude, if a horse starts talking to me, I'm trusting it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Andrew's like, I don't know what I took today, but you're talking and I trust you. <laughs> we are now best friends. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, the horse is like, no. And the other guy near near Andrew's like, what are you doing? Why are you talking to the horse? Hey, man. <laughs> Horses are also man's second best friend because of its long history. So. Mm -hmm. The, the the police outside Andrew's house. This is why the war on drugs exists. <laughs> just kidding. They're just listening through my window. And like, yeah, that sounds like you got a cup on your door. Time to bust yeah. it down, dude. Save all that, that, that's clearly he's clearly high. Oh yeah. No, he really does oh, though, reiterate a lot of the same a lot of the same lessons. I think though this one brought that that unique thing where. It's a little bit more overt, like in the open, that um, Aslan is with you. So God is with you yep. every part of your journey. He's and not sometimes just he there. might scare you. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't just come in to save you. He's just, he's there helping yes. guide you along as long as you're open and willing to hear and, and go along with it. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, conquering your fears, but do it the right way. I think that's mm. a good life lesson. So, like, for example, with the, you're talking about with the servant girl thing, with the servant girl, with um, uh, with the also doing the um, doing the brave thing in mm. light of being scared. So, for example, yeah. when he faces the lion, right? Yeah, right, that was the right thing to do. Um, it humbled Bree because he should have been reacting mm -hmm. the same way. Like, obviously. <laughs> Last week's lasagna is just cracking us up here. Anyways, um, speaking of which, I had lasagna. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but like standing up at the right time to do the right thing, it's, it's not something everybody's inherently going to do. And I think it's very important to do that be, because not everybody's going to, you know, like not everybody's going to make the right choice and, and um, stand up for what's right. And if you don't, who's going to do it? Yeah, and also, uh, don't be afraid to make the difficult choice. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, mm -hmm. it would be much easier to try to flee, but standing up to, you know, the lion or your fears or adversity, uh, that, that mm -hmm. is what you should do. Well, enduring adversity, too. Because, like, I don't I don't think we should overlook how Aravis contemplates suicide. Like, I think that's a huge part of the story that oh is yeah i forgot about under that. underrated right that's yeah. that's a massive lesson for a child i think to hear like when you think that your life is over to that degree there's a there's still a path forward there's a journey that you can take that makes things better but significantly better and given how suicide among young children is becoming kind of epidemic right now. Oh, they're, they're, getting, they're getting some randomly young kids, probably tied to social media a little bit, not a little bit, a lot of bit. Uh, the social pressures from there are causing people, like they've had people in the age of eight and stuff, you know, that's wild to it's, even consider. It's so depressed and so hopeless. At eight, man, mm -hmm. at eight. 
that's that's wild to think about that being a statistic now. So honestly, I think that this just the Chronicles of Narnia in general, especially given this story, mm -hmm. I think are extremely valuable for parents to have their kids read. I, it has so many good lessons that it's it's ridiculous not to have them read it. So I, I think, but one, one of the most important parts of that whole situation, Andrew, something I think you've kind of skipped over, yeah. is the effect you can have by saying anything to somebody in that state. That too. That too. Yeah. Well, I mean, not everyone's a, not everyone's a talking horse. I know. I, I understand that, but but, but the fact that <laughs> that is, is though. So any, anybody saying anything can sometimes make the difference. I mean, even if it's just proposing a different journey, a yeah, different right. path forward right like it's not just look at how the story transforms her entire life though right from contemplating suicide to future queen of argentina mm -hmm. that's you know for a little girl who reads this book you know that's something everyone wants to be a princess right you can't you can't diminish, you can't stuff, diminish so. the the journey of erebus because it it is really yeah yeah it was, it's right on right um it, it's equal to shasta's and I'll, i mean I'll i think it's it. worse than shasta's because shasta's not gonna oh, yeah. get raped no no what i mean by that is like well the, if they're the modeled after this of her story that. the importance of her story cannot be diminished below shasta's yeah also i think this is also important she is basically the tomboy princess that you don't get from disney mm -hmm. <laughs> Think about it. She's the top, she's basically um, a Mulan esque character. As far I don't know, as they, they actually did a pretty good did. job with the Moana story. Okay, I'm Moana. saying traditional man, traditional <laughs> the older ones. I'm just, I'm just saying, like in general, like, yeah. Moana was a pretty good modern mm -hmm. take uh, of a more tomboy story. But yeah, this one I, it's still a good. It's just a good story, I think. Yeah, I I would rate this a five out of five. That it's my I favorite for a reason. I remember this being my favorite. Um, even this one, the this one stands alone above a lot of the other Narnia books. Mm -hmm. I, I give it a five, and it is standalone. I think that's um, kind of an important thing too. If you wanted to read this as just this book, you might not necessarily understand who some of the characters are. They give like, you enough context. You it's not that it. big of a yeah. deal. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you might need to at least understand what Narnia is and like Aslan and stuff. I mean, but the horses wishing to go there, being talking horses, I, they give you enough context that like, you don't. I mean, to be fair, a lot of these, like a lot of older fairy tales, you have no idea that, like why they want to go to this different fairy yeah. you know, land, and yeah, it's. Okay, so. I'm just saying, it's a book you could read on its own. Eventually, read the rest of Narnia and want you'll still find yourself wanting to go back to read this one. Especially with I mean, the additional context, um, but like, as far as this book goes, I, I would say that the moral lessons from this one, just generally speaking, stick with you because even I like we before when we were talking about these That's books. Good. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, but yeah, amazing. what I was gonna say is when we were talking about reading these to begin with, this is one of the books that I clearly could still remember. Like it, all these years mm -hmm. later, this is one of those books that I can 
I could remember the general theme of the story and the moral lessons in it and appreciate it still it with a sec another read through so I I can't recommend it enough I know you were saying you were give it a five too well yeah I would for sure I give it a five so I think this is gonna be our highest rated book so far wow unanimous fives mm-hmm well, again, I'm judging as a children's book and within the, the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> I make that caveat. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed this one. I mean, in fairness, Chronicles of Narnia, for what it is targeting, is probably a five out of five series in general. Yeah, I mean, how many how many stories have the level of of uh, moral depth that C.S. Lewis just combines with yeah, children's I will, stories? I, I wish I'd read this as a kid. I would have really enjoyed these books. I'm going to go up. What you just said, Chris, is very true too. It's it's hard to really appreciate how much he does pack into these simple stories. I, I think that's just you can't you can't say enough about how much is packed into it. It's only it's under three hundred pages, and it has so much to it. C.S. Lewis was a master of stories of this caliber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no offense to Tolkien, but you know he's. Kind I mean, of... Tolkien wrote half of these books, but you know. <laughs> well, to be fair, that's they, why they, this like, one's actually that good. Each, because... They bounced off of each other quite a <laughs> they bit. They bounced off of each other, but when you, when you have to go off of their writing style, well, let's just say that Tolkien is a little bit more work, okay, <laughs> to read. <laughs> hey, he created not the a, Hobbit, like an actual not the Hobbit with, with actual languages and stuff. The it's, Hobbit is freaking hysterical. If you go back and it read it, no, it is. I've, I've reread it. It recently. breaks the fourth wall all the time. I want. <laughs> I want to read uh, the Adventures of Tom Bombadil now. <laughs> I don't know if I like that character, other than the fact that you know Andy decided the, the Hobbits. Guy of the Hobbits, yeah. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Narnia is an obscure manga by renowned Brazilian writer T. S. Eliot. <laughs> Okay, I just gotta say, shout out to last week's lasagna. We're we're into like the audience discussion slash comments, but we yeah. appreciate mm. you from back when you were number two sixty nine, and you're still watching us mm. with our migration to books. <laughs> so we appreciate you. Mm-hmm. All right, and Wubio as well. We finally have nice weather. I agree. I put I had to put up an umbrella today because the sun was too hot. Anyways, no, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> my, my weather is subjective where I live. There's a lot of rain. <laughs> All right. Um, the only la- the last thing I want to point out before we end this tonight, because we're gonna we're gonna cut it short tonight. We're gonna have fun with this and just cut it short. Is uh, next week we're not doing a book. Next week uh, it's either gonna be Andrew and I and Will haven't decided if it's gonna be gaming or if we do a traditional podcast next week. We're gonna see where we go with that next week. Um, but following that, the next book is Will is excited. Collection. Oh, what did I what did I pick again? <laughs> Hold on, I know what it is. I'm blanking on it. Apocalypse, Apocalypse Never. Never. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have to say, he got me with one of the chapters because uh, there was there was a discussion oh, in there. Yeah, there was there was a chapter one where he like went into all the uh, we'll call it propaganda about a specific oh, yeah. type of energy. Yeah, and I yeah. about put the book down and like said, "No, nope, I'm done with this book." Dude, and then book- immediately at the end of the chapter, he's like, "That's what I would tell you if I was part of the propaganda team or something along those yeah, lines." Yeah, it's a good book, man. And I was like, "No, oh, this book is me. fantastic. It's made easy to read on purpose, mm-hmm. and it's not a topic that needs to be made complicated." Mm-hmm. I, I, I encourage anyone who watches this to tune in two weeks from now because. I think you'll enjoy that podcast. You'll a lot. you'll very much enjoy it. 
Yes, Agreed. 100%. And if you read the book in advance, you'll enjoy it even more. So. I thought, do I have uh, more upcoming books? Oh, that says June. So hold on. Let me see. Let me see. You what, forgot what to put. Apocalypse uh, Never. There it is, right there. No, it's, it's right there. It just wanted to show. Uh, this is the books by the next Narnia book for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is called Apocalypse Never Why Envir Environmental Alarmism Hurts Us All by Michael Schellenberger. Mm -hmm. More probably famously known for his uh, Twitter files release he got to do. So. Anyways, that's he also did uh, San Francisco. I have I have no idea what that is. <laughs> uh, he it's a book but, about the homeless problem in San Francisco. <laughs> what do you mean? There's homeless people in San Francisco? Apparently, sure? no. we should cover that. Clearly, Chris is not familiar with this topic. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, and uh, one last thing, shout out to Arash, who is one of our earliest interviews on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Cool dude, definitely go check him out if you haven't. He does gaming though, so if you're into books, uh, probably not. Never mind. But if you like gaming, <laughs> then go check them out. All right. Anything else you guys want to say before we call this one? Just uh, reiterate that this was our first five out of five across the board. Mm -hmm. And uh, just tune in next next. It time. is weird though. It's not called the boy and his horse, but the horse and his boy. Well, should be called to... the kitty cat and his boy. Come on, Bree does, you know, initiate the whole escape thing, right? Mm hmm But does and he, like, actually own ride. the boy? <laughs> does the boy own the horse? Yes. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> That's the only way that will work out. Hey, man, Bree is the organizer of, of the escape. He gets to be the first character. Well, how about this? It's the, boy, it's the horse and a boy. <laughs> the horse go. and a boy. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, but the horse and his boy are both owned by Aslan. Maybe that's the point of the title. Okay, a boy and a Aslan's horse, horse and, a and his lion. boy. <laughs> and a kitty cat. And the, yeah, and the big black kitty cat. <laughs> and the random wizard hermit in the forest. <laughs> Which, okay, I, I forgot about that. Hey, kids, you want some candy? <laughs> that's like his own Tom Bombadil character yeah. who doesn't make any sense. Who is he? It's Santa. No, it's not. They define Santa in the other books. What, I forget. Wait, is that maybe Santa actually when he's not Santa? That's what he does. I hate that theory, Will, because it could be true. When the Santa Hermit of the Southern March. The Santa. Hermit of the Southern March. No, he's not Santa. He's the Hermit of the and Southern March. It says it right there. Pool. And now my son wastes no time on questions, but obey. The damsel is wounded. Your horse are spent. Ravidash is at this moment finding a ford over the winding arrow. This dude's like a, like some, uh, C.S. Lewis just inserted this random character into the story. This is Tolkien's contribution. <laughs> this might, had maybe it's it. supposed to be Tolkien. Yeah. Like this is Gandalf in Narnia. Mm -hmm. And then he has a scene, one of the scene stones too, in the form of a little pool. Yeah. It's just like, this guy's just. It, this is it's a very Lord of the Rings concept. Yeah, but that's how Santa there. checks if you're naughty or nice or if you're So how does he know if you say something rude? I thought Santa was Tom Pompadil. <laughs> oh my it's, gosh. Yeah, I'm glad that we brought this up. He's right a great lip reader. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, is I have the, to ask. it is the wackiest character. Yeah. That has no <laughs> that, 
Then he rubbed them both down. Okay, all right. This is over. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. He's also an extreme hippie. He called everyone his brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. My brother goats. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He did take that. <laughs> no, now, daughter, you may sleep when you wish. <laughs> oh, geez. Let's see. Here. Well, he called the people the sons and daughters, but apparently all the animals were his brothers and sisters. Yeah. All right. He doesn't identify as a son of Adam, okay? This guy is radagast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, kind of is, actually. Maybe, yeah, maybe he just really liked radagast, and that's... Yeah. It is funny how many books C.S. Lewis inserted a Tolkien-style character. Mm-hmm. Like, for example... In the space trilogy, his main character is like some representation of Tolkien. Philo- the philologist. Don't they bring up uh, Middle Earth or something in that? In series? book three, book three. Okay. Yeah, they talk about um, Numenor. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, anything else? Last, last chance, guys. I got nothing. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a very good book. Highly recommend it. Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis. If you haven't read it or you haven't read C.S. Lewis, highly recommend both of those things. As always, I am Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Will. And uh, we will see you on the next podcast. <laughs> Whatever one it yes. is. Yes. <laughs>